Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening to this. This is Norman of Rumble in the Garden, and I'm welcoming you to this season's first Not Half Bad podcast, the podcast covering St. John's and Rutgers basketball. Uh, I am one of your hosts, joined by Dave White. Say hi, Dave. Hey, hopefully it's not the only Not Half Bad podcast this year. I think it'll be more exciting than last year, so For we sure. won't give up. It won't <laughs> we won't be, give uh, up after the year. sadness and dismal dismiss. <laughs> Um, for the for the you know for the period. Um, anyway. Thirty minutes of me weeping. Yes. So Dave represents uh, Rutgers. He used to occasionally write for on the banks, and I write for Rumble in the Garden, both for Excavation Blogs. You should check both of them out. Uh, we do a, we do a pretty good job covering the uh, local teams. Yep. You can find me at eCoastBias. On Twitter, and you can find Dave at Dave underscore White. Yay! And um, our sites are, uh, well, mine is Rumble SBN on Twitter, and what's uh, the on the banks? Right, it's uh, OTB underscore SB Nation. There you go. Um, yeah. We're also on Facebook, you know, check us out, like us, comment on us, you know, comment on the sites. We always welcome your uh, input. Anyway, yes. so we're going to talk basketball. We are just around the corner from the official start of the season. Preseason, there are exhibition games, and there are secret scrimmages that are sometimes less secret than you think they are. (laughs) Yes, for sure. But we are in an era of basically essentially new coaches. I mean, Chris Mullen only in his second year, and Rutgers fired Eddie Jordan last year, and has now hired Steve Peichel away from Stony Brook. So, uh... It looks like we we're about to to get things going, or at least have a year of optimism. Or yes. for Rutgers, I think there will be a year of optimism. For St. John's, I think it'll be a year of show me what you actually got. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, as Dave said, St. John's is entering the second year with uh, Coach Chris Mullen, the uh, storied alum who's come back to lead the program, though he'd never been a head coach anywhere else before. So that's you know a question that a lot of people have. But you know, Mullen seems to have a um, a plan and a plan that that looks like it'll be sustainable if it succeeds. <laughs> Meanwhile, Steve Peichel is still working on his plan, but yeah. trying to uh, give a little bit of shape to a program that is, uh, if you will be, will be gone for a long gone time. <sighs> yeah, but there's direction now. I think I think Peichel has a vision. They are breaking ground. Norman, did you hear this? They're breaking ground on the practice facility this Tuesday. No way. Are you going to be there? I cannot be there, but um, I do know people who will be. So, nice. yes, I cannot take the day off. But they are actually, and it's invitation only, and I wasn't invited. Oh, how did they not invite you? You're such a I big know. part of the program. I'm not even I joking. I don't donate that much. No. Oh. I donate what I can. Okay. <laughs> so how do you feel about that? I'm excited. I mean, how long have I been pleading and begging for them to show some semblance of caring about basketball? And and this is like, this is the metaphor, you know, this is the thing right now. It's going to show people, hey, we're not just a football school. So um, is this because, is it because Rutgers is finally getting a little more Big Ten money? Well, this is all donation money. Oh, wow. Yeah. um, There was a a tax credit uh, law that passed towards this. I guess last summer, and they, or uh, oh, at this point now, I guess it's been two summers ago, and uh, they 
ran this big, they called it our big fund. They're shooting for a hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. um, to upgrade facilities across the board. And they knew that basketball was the, uh, the first one that needed it most, both men's and women's basketball. So they're building a multi sport practice facility, um, for wrestling, I believe. Wrestling. Uh, the two basketball teams, I'd have to look up the press release. Um, but it's mostly it's going to be right next to the rack. It's going to be state of the art, and they're breaking ground on Tuesday. That's excellent. So, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, I'm excited. I know it's a yeah. It's been a point of uh, contention, especially since Rutgers plays in a fairly outdated facility. You know, it does seem like you know you have these other uh, the the competitors that Rutgers is facing all have in some way some sort of enhanced facility. Now, you yeah. know, St. John's has what's probably considered or what is an outdated. Um, home facility, but St. John's also plays half, well, some of their games, some of their home games in Madison Square Garden and has a newer practice facility that's uh, kind of like the home for the basketball team. So, right. Right. And you it, know, it's, and it's that's something that's thing. been long in coming. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's it's not about updating the rack, which um, when it's full and it's exciting is, is a great home court. Uh, but it's more about giving these, you know, they were splitting time with the men's team, the women's team, the the baseball team, you know, during winter hours, wrestling, volleyball. So you didn't have your own space to practice and you were kind of, you know, jostling, jostling time. So this is a sign that, hey, you know, we care about other sports too. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that'll open the eyes of, of, of recruits that not maybe it for once it's not same old Rutgers. They they hired probably the most experienced assistant staff they've ever had with um, Carl Hobbs, Brandon Knight, and and Jay Young, and it looks like they're actually putting some money into basketball. You know, Pat Hobbs, the AD, is a diehard college basketball fan, so I know the past year was killing him, or I can assume, I guess, and and he knows he needs to fix it. You, you can't have one of your teams be as embarrassing as, as basketball has been. So good news on the horizon on that end. Yeah. I mean, I would think that football is usually embarrassing enough that you have to oh. take the, the, the shade away from the basketball team. What, how's the football team doing? Football is um, doing all right. Are they really? No. Oh. <laughs> how bad is it? Uh, what are they? Two and, two and five, two and six, something That's like that. So no, nah, they can't. It's year one. Whatever. <laughs> Do we have to? Why? I don't understand. This is a basketball podcast. Okay, okay. No, no, no more talk about that. So, <laughs> you know, St. John's doesn't have any exciting facility uh, stuff in, in, in the offing, but St. John's does have um, a number of exciting players who are re or joining the roster. And what's interesting is that, you know, for a team that, basically turned over the whole roster last year. They're turning over a lot of it again this year because they had two grad transfers and uh, another player who played major minutes who transferred and then another senior. Um, Mm -hmm. And as such, um, the team's going to have a different look, at least in the back, in the backcourt, you know, with Marcus Levette and uh, Shamori Pons who should get significant time, if not both be starters. So, you know, the whole question of two six foot, you know, guard starters or you know is one that 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 should make one think um meanwhile they have a wing in Bashir Ahmed who's coming in who should be a strong powerful wing um and uh, Richard Freudenberg 
as well, coming in from Germany, plus Tariq Owens, who is a transfer from Tennessee and should back up at the center position and has a little bit of a pick-and-pop mid-range game, maybe has some some range, and you know maybe the Johnnies can do something a little bit different with those uh, with that with that talent. Hmm. Obviously, it doesn't excite I'm, I'm, you a lot. No, I'm just trying to think. You know what what. <laughs> expectations would be with all the, the that new talent. I, I think fans, fans tend to um, raise expectations, but with all that talent, you know, the Mullins challenge is going to be, you know, mixing and matching and, and making sure everybody's happy and they all work together sure, towards I mean, a common goal. Having freshmen, I think it's, um, you know, I think there's a, yeah, with with so many freshmen, I think there's a going to be slightly unreasonable expectations because they're going to be good. But freshmen are never immediately good. You know, I was right. taking a look back actually Rarely. at uh, the freshman years of uh, maybe I was thinking of Jonathan Laurent and uh, and Mike Williams, and just to see whether they improved too. Because in my mind, I was thinking, you know, so do freshmen the sophomores on crappy teams improve? No offense. Okay, offense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, those guys, even when they didn't improve all the way, they did improve. And I think sometimes there's a, an elevation for when a team is actually good and they start playing, if you will, downhill, that where those freshmen can improve a lot. So, you know, here's hoping that, you know, one of the incoming um, new players really changes the game. Maybe Ahmed, maybe Lavette, And with right. that, some of the newcomers like Malik Ellison will improve by leaps and bounds. And then the other ones will, you know, kind of raise like a, you know, boat in the rising tide or whatever. Yeah. I'm interested to watch St. John's for a lot of reasons, but the one that catch, I think you and I have talked about this. I'm interested to see how they defend this year. Cause I saw a lot of, um, Olay defending Eddie Jordan style defense last year. And, and I wonder if it's an NBA type mentality. You know? Yeah, where the I think there there are two things that might be going on there, and you know this is just my guessing. One of them is, you know, so there's this NBA type mentality where it's important to outscore your opponent because you're playing against guys who are so good that they're going to get their shots. So you try to you know you try to force them into harder shots, but your first mentality is how do I get the best shots for my team? You know, this, right. I don't know if that, that makes sense, but no, it um, does. that's kind of how the NBA at times looks to me. And I know there's defense and I know that there is actually like very precise and very specific defense, but I think the expectations are different where in college, there are a lot of guys you can shut off if you try hard enough, you know, if you, you know, I don't know, you think of the way like Virginia can just go at a team and hold them to mm-hmm. like set like seven or 10 points in like a half. They can't right, do right. that. Because they're good athletes, they're well-coached, and they know exactly what it is that they want to cut off. And they know how to basically cut off the head of the snake, if you will. Yeah, and, and, and I'm fascinated by that, if, if I may jump in. Because I think the problem that Eddie's teams had and the problem that Mullen's team had last year is defending the three. And I don't understand that out of an NBA mentality, why you wouldn't defend the three. When it's a key uh, key thing in both college and pro. So, so I'm I, interested to see if that's an athlete-type thing with Mullen or if it's it's a symptom like it was for so Jordan. With uh, with St. John's and defending the three, I think that's a – I mean, I feel like I'm not willing to make any strong assertions on that just because watching them, a lot of the you – know, some of the gaps were youth gaps. Some of the gaps were, 
you know, perimeter defense gaps in the sense that there were pretty much everybody they tossed out playing on the, on the, um, on the perimeter was not good at containing. So they'd get beaten, somebody would have to cover, and that creates a hole somewhere, and that creates an open shot. And any team that can space at all would have a corner three, or would have, uh, you know, it was usually not a top of the key three, it was like a corner three right. uh, that they often gave up. And then on top of that, St. John's chose to sometimes send guys in uh, into the middle to defend um, or to help uh, defend in the paint, which was, you know, feels like also kind of an NBA thing where you... Right, it was. Not, because... not, not overemphasize um, the, the importance of defending in the paint because, you know, that's important. But I think... I think generally big men in college are just not that skilled, you know, except right. for like, you know, Creighton's Jeffrey Grissel was, you know, going off on St. John's each time he played them. But a lot of other big men are sort of like, I don't know, you know, let him, you know, give him the Jordan rules, you know, you know, defend yeah. him credibly, let him shoot, but give no help. Don't right. let him suck you in and defend everybody else. So we'll see what that looks like this year with better yeah. athletes and with more experience and hopefully yeah. with a stronger in interior players in uh, Ahmed and Sima. Right. I think Jordan's problem um, was he misunderstood how athletic his players were and expected them to help down low and then be able to get back out to cover the three. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he didn't have the players who could do that. Now, Mullen sort of mental clearly... And- that kind of mental yeah. and, and physical quickness. And I think that St. Right. John's had a lot of that too, where I think, you know, he thought that these guys could recover. And even last year, if you remember the exhibition game, there seemed to be a real, honestly, a disconnect between, you know, Mullen was like, oh, I thought these guys were more prepared than they were, yeah. which was, yes. you know, a telling statement. And not to, you know, it's, you know, everybody can get, you know, side, 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 um, surprised, right. I guess, mm-hmm. um, by, you know, what their team can and cannot do. But that was really interesting that they were like that kind of unprepared, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't just, I mean, you know, their offense also stunk, but their defense was just <laughs> trash. It yeah. was, and it got better, but it was trash that day. Right. And and that's what I think, you know, I'm looking for with, with Rutgers is a major improvement in the, the defense. Now, the word is that the shooting is still, you know, not great. Um, for the team, so scoring is going to be hard. Where'd you hear that? They, did you did you did you um, see something about a secret scrimmage? No, I, no, I didn't. You never see anything, anything like about. that. No. Nobody tweeted the box score, but yeah, you know. No, yeah, yeah. But when you read the articles from you know Jerry Carino and and people like that, what you hear is is that the shooting's not there. They might have a, a shooter in um, Issa Cham, uh, who's a six nine wing, mm-hmm. who uh, they think can shoot, but but. We'll see, and that's also you know, that's also not a. Uh, I feel like a six nine wing that didn't come highly touted seems like one of those not a bad idea, but not somebody you want to depend on right off because you're probably yeah. dealing with somebody who isn't quick enough to really play the wing at this level, but has the skills right. that if you can get them able to use their package and get open shots and get into space, that they can be really effective. But a six nine wing who could really actually be a wing and shoot would be at a higher level. Right. That's I, I the don't, short of it. I don't think that he is um, going to be ready day one. Uh, but, you know, the shooting doesn't sound like the shooting and the scoring is there yet. 
Mm-hmm. So I think you have to rely on on the defense being better, and that's probably still going to lead to lots of losses this year. You just you just hope they're closer losses. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's kind of the expectation this year. I'm hoping they win more than seven games, which is one that what they won last year. I'm I'm hoping for like twelve. They have an easier schedule, mm-hmm. and they're healthy as of right now. So if you shoot for twelve between twelve and fifteen wins and some some closer games. Um, I think that's a reasonable expectation for year one. Yeah, I think um, I, I think as well. You know, the the idea should be setting kind of the standard of what it is that they want to do and showing where the gaps yeah. are. So you know, you want to have Corey Sanders show that he can you know really be highlighted in this offense. You want you know guys like Deshaun Freeman and Shaquille mm-hmm. Dorson or whatever to show what they can right. do as big men uh, under Pykel. 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 Pykel like Pykel. like Michael. I keep calling like Michael. Pykel. Well, that's not right. Under Pykel, so you can you know <laughs> slot in a a thirsty point guard next year, and you can also find some big men who can really fill that gap um, in the future. So, you know, you just kind of want to get a sense of the kind of effort you're going to get out of a team, the kind of um, yeah, the kind of uh, the kind of style you're going to play. Right. Yeah. No. I. I... I agree with you there, and I, I think that's the expectation right now. So I think that, you know, everybody's looking for, for St. John's to take a step forward. But I think in the same way everybody's looking for Rutgers to take a step forward, just because when you're, what were they, 279th in Ken Palm last year they ended at, and we're a sub-300 team at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard not to take a step forward, but you want that optimism. I mean, if they could knock off a ranked team – and give Peichel an early signature win, you know, just beat somebody in the Big Ten. Um, that would really help. Yeah, and they were uh, 279, and they were 307 um, for a minute there. Yeah. Yeah, I think right before they beat Minnesota, yeah. when they were 0-16, they were at 307 or something like mm-hmm. that. So, and, and then what are they? One, I don't know if you have it in front of you. 191. 191. St. John's is so, 108. Yeah, I mean he's filled out his roster. They're the biggest team in the Big Ten um, in terms of uh, front court. They have the tallest players. Yeah, um, and it sounds like you know Pykele's team's always rebounded well at uh, Stony Brook, so that's clearly going to be a focus, and that's going to help because we all know the famous Eddie Jordan quote. Do you remember it, Norman? Oh um, no, I don't. Wait, tell tell, tell Re- me. Rebounding is not part of my teaching. Rebounding is not part of my coaching package. I so oh, that's a great one. That's right uh, yeah, there that's, with. Uh, with uh, the former St. John's head coach saying uh, that rebounding is overrated. It's like, dog, no. Yeah, no, yeah. No, 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 so no. That, so that, that was kind of like the light went on. You know, I don't teach rebounding. Is uh, Seems to have changed. Um, as they like to say, it's night and day with a K. Mm-hmm. That's that's the, the big oh, hashtag. Yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> but man, so, I mean, coaches who are, don't teach rebounding, no, teach rebounding. Bob Huggins teaches rebounding, and his teams grind out stupid wins that they shouldn't get. Honestly, that's all when a team can when a team can really bang on the glass, you know, you get in and you have okay enough athletes. Sometimes you pull out some wins that you shouldn't. I, you really no, shouldn't. I, I want a grinding team so badly, and that's that's kind of what you're going to need to rely on this year. So. Uh, hoping that they can grind. So, so that's going to be the thing to watch, the effort. You know, are they are they diving on the floor? Eddie was all about offense. And, you know, I think we talked about it last year. He was, tempo-wise on Ken Palm, he had seven players healthy and was still playing the, at the fastest offensive tempo in the league. Mm-hmm. 
that's going to get you blown out and get you worn down. So um, I, guess, I, I guess that's true. I mean, I, I think I feel like the whole tempo versus uh, roster is a little overrated because I want to say that North Carolina plays at a fairly high tempo as well and still doesn't go that deep into the roster. Yeah, but they a they can and they recruit at a much higher level. That's that, true. That Jordan was recruiting at. Yeah, so that, that is true. I mean. When you have a team that had the kind of talent Rutgers did and, and the health that Rutgers did, they were playing a guard at power forward um, at times last year and, and a wing at center. You, you might want to slow it down. Yeah. But um, I think this is going to be a team that bangs for rebounds and, and defends. It's just can they score enough? Um, that's going to be the problem. And I think by score enough, are they going to be able to rebound and outlet pass well enough? Um, a to lot of the time, yeah, because yeah, I think a lot of the times Rutgers uh, has had coaches that said, "Oh, we're going to run." You know, Mike Rice said it, uh, Fred Hill said it, even Gary Waters said it at times. Realized that they weren't big enough, that their big men weren't rebounding well enough, and they had to, you know, you rebound. Gotta get stops to run. You got to get stops, and you got to yeah. you've got to put the other uh, the, the 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 other opposing defense on their heels. You have to get right. the ball, and you have to move it up the court. And it was but not, St. John's had too that you can. You know, dribble and run and take shots as early in the shot clock as you want, but it's going to work a lot better if you're doing it when the other team is getting slapped around on defense. Right. And not only that, but you need – in order to to run the way Rutgers wanna, wants to run or, or St. John's probably wants to run, you need your big men to do the rebounding. You can't have your guard getting leading your team in rebounding, which, you know, and still get out and get up the court, you know. You want that big man to get the the – the uh the board so you can um have your guards halfway up up the court already with a with a good outlet pass did yeah. i say that clearly yeah mm, that I makes think sense so. okay <laughs> so, so so what do you think Let's look at the schedule talk, talk to me a little bit about st john's early schedule and and what your hope is um so i guess you know with st john's it's hard to say i think there's a uh, just a lot of question about what it's going to look like. And that's really what I'm interested in. They have, mm-hmm. you know, a, an exhibition game on Monday. So we'll get to know a little bit more about them and about how Bashir Ahmed's going to play in particular. Um, it's going to be exciting. Guys like him and uh, Pons and, um, and Labette need to lead the team in scoring, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, there's a secret scrimmage against oh. Rhode Island in a week. And after that, they open up against Bethune-Cookman on Friday, November 11th. Um, and it's like, you know, they have two kind of easy games, Bethune-Cookman and Binghamton at home. Binghamton could be super, a little surprising. I don't know. Um, I think Tommy Dempsey is a great coach, so, you know, I'd watch that game. But then after that, they've got actually kind of tough games. They've got a roadie at, a, at Minnesota, a team that should be pretty improved and pretty hungry to take any win they can get. So, you know, that's going to be a tough one. And mm-hmm. then, um, but I don't have the Big Ten Network. How am I going to watch? I'm going to have to ask you to watch for me. How do you not have the Big Ten Network? I live up north. There's no big time right, here. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out a way. We'll um, find you a way to watch it. And then um, Michigan State uh, to start the battle for Atlantis, which has, you know, the Ooh, crappiest nice. team in there is Old Dominion. You know, it's like, nice. that's that's not going to be – that could be really ugly, or it could be a chance for St. John's to really show uh, their potential with seriously mm-hmm. a single win. You know, over LSU yeah. or Old Dominion would be good, but if you can knock off Baylor or uh, VCU – which would be the second uh, the second team that they would play? That's you know I think that's pretty notable in and of itself. Right, that's good. Yeah. I mean I, I think it's an interesting challenge. 
uh, for St. John's that early schedule. I didn't realize they, they went out to the battle for Atlantis. I didn't realize um, they were going to be playing a Michigan State. So, oh, yeah, that's the, that's the opener. Wednesday, yeah, November that, 30th, 23rd. That, that, that's a lot of pieces to put together quickly, mm-hmm. you know, um, and be in sync to go against the Michigan State, even a beaten up Michigan State, because they're they got two big men already out out for a while, I think. Yeah. I but think, um, I, again, I think that for me, the expectation is less about. I mean, it's about wins and losses. I think, I think that the team, the whole program, kind of needs mm-hmm. a winning or five hundred um, result. I think they really need that just for for the optics of the thing, you know. Yeah. Because I think yeah. they could improve in only let's say. Uh, there were eight wins last year. They could be like an 11-win team and still be fairly improved, but I think that at that point, people start really getting off the ship, you know? I think you mm-hmm. need to say, like, you know, we made this, like, seven-game improvement. You need to show something impressive for recruits and fans to really stay on board with the idea of a rebuild, even though a rebuild is longer than that, especially given the situation. So I think they were kind of, kind of a tough uh, situation. I don't think they'll get more than, like, 500, but, mm-hmm. you know, if everything comes together, there's a lot of decent talent on this team. And if they can find some rebounding, um, if Kasum Yakwe and Malik Ellison really emerge, are both, you know, good athletes who supposedly had good summers, um, if Federico Mussini can be, you know, better, you know, just like decent and right. you know, hit 30-something percent of his outside shots, be a good spark plug, if mm-hmm. they get much out of you know Pons and uh and Freudenberg I think that's a much better team now how they defend that's kind of up to coaching but also kind of up to their strength um who sticks around uh, or who's um you know who makes it onto the floor and things what like do you mean that who, wait wait what do you mean who sticks around Where's no, I mean like who ends up as part of the rotation because oh, they're not going to okay. play all 11 available players you know but right you know, maybe there's some combination. Maybe Amar Alabegovic turns out to be like a good, like tough oh, guy, paint player. Maybe Darian Williams comes out and shows that you know he can run and he's physical. You know, I thought he looked good in the scrimmage. Maybe Tariq Owens has got an amazing package of speed and shot blocking that actually uh, forces opponents to rethink what they do. You know, because it's one thing to block shots, but sometimes blocking shots is just. Uh, you know, it just looks good. You know, it doesn't actually change the fact that the other team is scoring, is shooting 50% uh, from the field inside the arc. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think, um, uh, yes, I think you're right. I, sorry, I don't have a follow-up thought, and I know what you mean. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but I, I think, to me, watching St. John's, I'm looking for the same sort of things you are, how they defend, how well they play together. Um and that uh, I think Lovett's going to be a very interesting player because he was able to practice with them last year, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so he I think, should know a bit of what yeah. he's doing. Yeah. So uh, I think that's key, and I think you've gotten over some some bumps. You know, you had a little bit of a bumpy off season with all the the slice stuff yeah. that went down. I know, I know that that wasn't that big a deal to you, but it's it's the optics of it aren't great. Yeah, and it's great. one of those weird things where it's a, it's kind of like an overrated thing, but it's in New York, so it, it ends up being kind of a loud overrated thing, you know? Mm, um, no, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I also think that <clears throat> uh, one more comment about shot blocking. I think one thing that's interesting is that if I remember correctly, if you look at the numbers, the shot blocking went down 
remarkably by like the middle of the biggie season. I should actually look and see whether they were in blocking shots early on. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm looking at a game against Seton Hall where they blocked uh, six shots, but the, it seems like it did kind of fall off. So, and part of that's getting worn down, I think. Yeah, I think you so. Know. I mean, it's also not having SEMA, but yeah, it's. Right, he got hurt, didn't he? I'm yeah. trying to remember. Yeah, yeah okay, that's right. In the middle of the Big East season, or yes. early in the Big East season, actually. And yeah. if Kasumiakwe is the guy who's you know doing your shot blocking, there's the level of, you know, he's only 6'7". <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's cool, yeah. but you, know, you kind of want to have good positional defense, and you want your shot blocking in part to come from height and also come with good defensive rebounding, so... Right, you want to keep that ball in play and block it to some to your own your teammate. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I think that's kind of how Peichel's recruited. Um, you know, he brought in a junior college player, Candido Sa, who's known to be a block shot blocker. He's a power forward. Um, and and Gettys and Dorson have been well. I don't know about Gettys, but Dorson in his freshman year was kind of turning into a shot blocker. Who's Gettys? Uh, he's the uh, graduate transfer from UNC Wilmington. Oh. who um, is a seven-foot guy. He played against Duke last year. He actually played pretty well in the, the NCAA, tournament, if I, NCAA tournament, if I remember correctly. Nice. And when um, did they pick him up? Like late August. He okay. had to finish some sort of program to get his degree. He's a graduate transfer. Okay. And uh, so he was available in late August, and it, like they snuck him onto campus. Nobody even heard his name, and all of a sudden he committed. Uh and, so, wait, and, is he is he going to play a major part this year? You think? I mean, it it sounds like he might start. He's in contention to start for sure with him and Dorson. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you got a guy off the street. Maybe he can start for us. I know. I mean, I guess they could, you know, um, swing Sa, who's a power forward, over to center, and and go kind of smaller and play f- and start Freeman next to him and go that way. But I think. Uh, I think it's more likely Geddes starts and um, and Freeman starts next to him and yeah it's it's going to be interesting I mean because Dorson and Ibrahima Diallo are coming off injuries uh, by all accounts Dorson's lost like fifty pounds is it you know so he's in shape but it's a long way to go he had a, apparently a really bad injury uh, broken foot or something like that so last year okay so and that's so, tough for a big man. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm just taking a quick look at Candido Sa, and he is indeed from Portugal, because I was like, mm-hmm. Candido Sa, it sounds like, <laughs> it made me start thinking of So George songs, or like, a, or Roberta Sa, who's a, yeah. a, a wonderful singer, if you don't know her people, go and find out. Look at, this, look, look at you, you're like a renaissance man over here. Yeah. Well, you know, when, <laughs> when we were down in, uh, in, in Brazil many, many years ago, it's probably like 10 years ago, um, she was one of the names that kept coming up, and we really enjoyed the music, so... We bought a couple of Roberta Saw records, and her stuff is is very like you know it's catchy, you know, da 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 da, da you know. <laughs> very nice. MPB, so. I think they call it. Or what's it called? Um, it's like basically their pop music, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what MPB stands for. Okay, I wouldn't know. Hmm? So, but um, yeah, I think um, in terms of Rutgers' schedule, they have uh, a relatively on. Un- paper easy schedule i know they scheduled down this year um just to get some wins they're playing two of the worst teams in the country but they open with uh malloy that's a division three team mm-hmm. yay and then that should be a win then they played drexel and then they go on the road and you might be able to help me out here norman because their big east opponent is DePaul. oh yeah 
<laughs> and I'm oh, very get that win. I'm very curious about this game because how improved is DePaul going to be this year? I'm not. <clears throat> That's all I can. Okay, so here's what I'd say about DePaul. <laughs> yes. Give me, give me your DePaul rundown. DePaul has like two big men, like on the roster. Maybe three if you consider the coach's son, Dave Later the third, who's six foot seven and kind of burly. But okay. the other guys are two freshmen, Levi Cook and Al Eichenberger. Eichelberger? Um, the walk-on Peter Rickbosch, who's fairly competent as a space-holding, give you, you know, five, six fouls kind of guy. Hey, sometimes they're just not called. Um, he <laughs> is out with an injury until, like, Big East season. So I think, really, they have two big men. So expect a five-guard lineup at some point. Really? But and, and, they should and wait, be able wait. to score. Okay, is this a DePaul, like, still wide open, up and down the court kind of I mean, style? Or they, they I don't be, I haven't watched they, them enough. They might be a little bit more wide open. They weren't quite the same. I think they, they tried to run a little bit yes, last year, but Dave Lato's trying different things, and he did seem to have an interest in using big men. But he doesn't have any big men. So, yeah, they might oh. run a little bit. Uh, Billy Garrett and Eli Kane are probably the main, uh, Kane, yes. the main uh, points of uh, scoring. And okay. other than that, um, other than that, um, I don't know. I mean, there's a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of, uh, other newcomers who should be, who should be, um, uh, who should, eh, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say until I see them. You know, Trey Darius McCallum, I think is one guy. Um, mm-hmm. and then other guys, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, okay. I'll, I'll look into it. And there are definitely a lot of players, but there are just like mm-hmm. a lot of guards. There's like a grad transfer from, I'm drawing this weird blank now, um, <laughs> but they have a lot of guards is what I'm saying. It's like, see, you'll see a lot of six foot guys. Um, um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So in a game like that, who has the advantage? You got Rutgers, who's really deep at forward this year and really tall. Yeah. Deep and tall, but not necessarily good. Mm-hmm. I mean... It well, Freeman if is, Sanders is can if Corey Sanders can uh, can get free and get some shots for people if that Nigel Johnson guy can really ball. I mm-hmm. don't know, maybe. So we're talking a tight matchup here. We're talking an ugly matchup here. That's what we're talking. Yeah, well, that, I, I think uh, I think I like ugly uh, this year. <laughs> All so right. yeah, because um, it it definitely might be ugly. You know, uh, again, Ruck, I mean, DePaul has a bunch of. Uh, guys who will be on the bench and not playing. Um, I don't know. I mean, they have Joe Hanel too. I guess he'll be kind of a big man, though he's like six foot seven and 213 pounds. But he, he mm-hmm. plays hard. Uh, Chris Harrison Docks, that's who I was thinking of. He's a uh, high-flying guard from uh, Western Kentucky who can score a lot. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I don't know. They've got freshmen. Devin Gage, okay. Brandon Cyrus. Okay. I have no idea what this is going to look like is what I'm saying. Yeah, neither do I. I don't know. I'm. I can't wait till the 11th just because I want to see, you know, this team on the court um, and what they can do and, and what they're going to look like. Um, even against Malloy, at least you get some hint of of style. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't picture this now because I keep saying to everybody, I just want to see um, basketball, which I feel like I haven't seen for the past three years. Mm-hmm. You know, some semblance of team basketball is what I'm looking for this year. And, playing uh, basketball. Yes. <laughs> Where, whereas the past 
you know, a couple of years, it, it's been ugly and there was a basket and a ball, but beyond that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, I, I, I am curious and, and I, I, I have expectations, but I don't have expectations. Like I'm almost okay with anything that happens this year, as long as it's not last year. Just cause it's different. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it can't be, I feel like it's, there's no possible way it can be worse, which I know I am jinxing them now, <laughs> but, um, with the staff they have and the fact that there is some talent and some size on this team and they appear to be healthy and in better shape, I think it's, it's almost impossible for it to be worse than last year, a seven win season. Um, you think you'd think no, that's, that's probably a, a very low point. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, worse than that. yeah, so I'm just kind of, I'm like, I'm in this, this, I don't know about how you feel right now because you're, you're a part Chicago guy, but I, I the World Series is the World Series, but I'm kind of ready for hoops to start. Mm-hmm. And these 10 days here or, very, or whatever. I, I make fun of the, of the Cubs all the time. Oh, so. well, you are a Mets fan. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, lifelong, um, lifelong. Yeah. So I kind of feel like in between and, and I'm just ready to go, you know, because I love when basketball starts. So mm-hmm. I hear you. So so yeah. are we going to keep this up this year, Norman? What do you we'll think? see. We'll see. You know, I mean, <laughs> we'll hear from from the fans. We'll see what people want to hear. And uh, yeah, we'll try to get this going maybe monthly or something. Monthly could work. Yeah. All right. All right. So oh, I got it. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it too. So I got a uh, thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's time to, to call this to, to an end. And uh, this has been the first episode of the whatever season of uh, Not Half Bad, the podcast covering St. John's and Rutgers basketball. This is season five. Oh, good lord! Is it really? Yeah, yeah. We started the last year of Mike Rice, I believe. Aww. Might be season six. It might be season six. I think we did season five already. Yeah. But it's hard huh. to remember. It was so ugly last year. Yeah, last year didn't count. Yeah. Um, we're, so yeah. we're rebooting. <laughs> Reboot. All right. All right. It's time to call it an end. Uh, not half bad. Uh, I'm Norman. That's Dave. Uh, Dave, you want to say anything as we as we head out? Buy my books. DaveWhiteBooks.com. Yeah, look for DaveWhiteBooks.com. Um, I'm from Rumble in the Garden. He's on the banks. I write about St. John's. He writes about Rutgers. Check us out. Yeah. Give us a like and subscribe. Oh, and also, if you have any questions, tips, or uh, or comments, you can reach out to us at uh, NHBPod on Twitter or NotHalfBadPod at Gmail.